All right, guys, it is the Moonshine Jones podcast. This is a new sports show we're starting. Same characters, but uh, it's a new sports show called Sports Time with Moonshine. We are now connected with 97.7 WFLI, the big jet fly. We're also connected with 101.3 out of Trenton, Georgia, and also 106, well, mixed 106 out of Stevenson, Alabama, that covers the northern Alabama into Marion County. It is an honor to be uh, connected with them. I'm actually working with them. I'm excited to say that I'm, I'm getting to do and learn production we're uh, producing the uh, Chattanooga Mocs women's and men's basketball, and uh, it's it's just it's it's great to be able to be a part of a, a great radio station and a great ra- radio family, as uh, as what I am doing now. Okay, we've got somebody coming back on the show, Paul Yetkowski, VFL. 92-93, we, we've, we've done the interviews, we've talked, we've had a great time. Uh, unfortunately, we haven't had a great, great time because of what's been going on with uh, Tennessee football. In fact, we, we were doing the show, seems like years ago, uh, Tennessee had just lost to Georgia in the second half. We had a collapse of epic proportions and, uh, hey, we're going to bounce back against Kentucky. That's going to happen, right? Well, before the Kentucky game, me and Paul are talking, having a great time going over. Hey, it is Kentucky. I've seen it in person many times. We're going to beat Kentucky. Uh, Yeah, two pick sixes later. The team is devastated. Uh, we haven't recovered since. So there you go. Paul Yakowski, welcome to Sports Time with Moonshine. Good to be with you, Moonshine. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, far from course so far this year. You know, expectations have been uh, uh, just, you know, blown out of the water. So uh, it's it's been a tough, you know, it's been a tough season for everybody. It's been, it's been a tough decade, man, for us all fans. But, you know, we, 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 hey, we're hanging in there. We're hoping for something to turn the corner at some point. Well, not being just a fan, the fact that you played at the University of Tennessee as a transfer – after a stellar career at uh, the JUCO level, I mean, what does yeah. that feel like to not just be a fan, but that you're a VFL, a Vol for Life, and you're going through watching your university go from, let's be honest, a, a blue blood, a top tier program that from, we'll say, 85 to 2007 was competing almost every year for an SEC title or a national championship. And it's hard. It's hard. You know, uh, you put your blood, sweat, and tears into it. You know, you put your, you put your, uh, put all your energy to try and make something, make something special. And, and, you know, you, you do, no matter what, you feel good about what you do on the field with your teammates. You know, you become that, you get that bond, that brotherhood. But, you know, it's, it's disheartening to see what we have gone through. Um, you know, at one point, I'm like, you know, it's all right. It's all right, guys. It, it, it'll come around. If you, you know, if you look back over the course of the last 20 years, you know, Miami, Notre Dame, even the, the, the great Alabama had their time. Florida State's going through it. Nebraska's still struggling. You know, Michigan. Every team has had their yeah. downtime. Ours just seems to be this extended trough of just suck. 
And that's the part that hurts. Like I, I you know, you, 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 you want to be great every year. You, you can expect to be great every year, but to be realistic about it, it's not going to happen. You know, at, at some point, at some point, Alabama will fall. And, you know, when, and that might be what Saban leaves. So every team cycles through it, but our, our trough is just long and deep and man, it, it's, it's painful, you know, and, I think Harrison Bailey, I think it was Bailey that put out a text or a tweet, I should say, uh, a, a couple of weeks ago, you know, and, and I'm sure that all the negativity is getting to the players. And he's like, you know, y'all don't understand. It's our team. You know, we're out here bleeding and, and, and sweating and, you know, uh, putting in the work. And, and it's true. It know? was Brian Maurer. Yeah, he, uh, Brian Maurer came out and said that uh, pretty much uh, took a shot at the fan base. Um, uh, a very, very loyal fan base, fanatic. That's what fan yeah. stands for. But yeah, it was, it was Brian Maurer, and uh, that definitely didn't go over too well. But you know, you're you're right. You, you make a good point about that. Well, you know, these. They, I mean, they're kids. They're out there. They're trying. Nobody goes out there to try and do a, uh, a to try and make a mistake to try and blow a tackle to jump off sides to to drop a pass. Right. You know, and the negativity, it's going to be there. But, you know, and, and I need to bite my tongue at times. You know, you know my, my criticism of, of Garantano, Garantano, you know, it, it's been consistent for the last couple of years. The kid's got a huge heart, and there's no doubt he's done everything he could. But when it comes down to it, the kid's not cutting it, and it's not a personal attack on him. It's just his ability or, or the scheme or, or he hasn't been coached up. So, you know, we, we need to, you know, as, as a fan base and even as a VFL, you know, somebody who's been in that position, you know, and I've taken my, my share of um, hate mail, you know, you, you got to understand that the fans are, fans are passionate about it, and that's what makes playing in Neyland Stadium exciting, the, be- the best place to play football in the country. Hell yeah, down. definitely. You know, but the fans also need to understand that these kids are out there, and they're, they're doing what they're told. They're doing what they're coached to do. They're doing it to the best of their abilities. So you know, if we're going to attack something, you know, you, you you talk about the grown men that are that are that are making, uh, you know, calling the plays that are that are developing the schemes that are coaching these kids and expected to develop them. You know, you start. I'd say let's let's focus on the on the people that you know are, are above and beyond what these kids are doing that that are making the decisions that can handle this kind of criticism. Because at at eighteen, nineteen, twenty, you know, to see this stuff happen. It's it's brutal, you know. These kids will get on there, even though you don't want to read it. They're going to get on there, and man, it, it's 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 a hard thing to manage. It, you know, the, the negativity is out there, but uh, you just got to have faith, you know. And and I don't know if Pruitt's the, the guy to do it. I don't know, if, you know, this this is the staff to do it. I I just you know pray every year that we're going to get better. Fortunately, well, those prayers haven't been answered, and you know, I, I I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful. We'll get to that in in just a second, Paul. Those are really really good points about what you what you're bringing up with the program with the um, the lack of development from uh, Garantano I want to ask you so the kid came out as a number one dual threat quarterback in the nation I watched him in 2017. He came in on the one-yard line against Florida, and it did not work. Uh, we were dealing with issues there with the quarterback. We st- That has been – let me tell you something, folks. For people that are listening and want to talk about football, if you don't have the quarterback position taken care of, if you don't have somebody – if you go to the NFL like a Trent Dilfer, a lot of people call him a game manager. Well, he managed – that's what a quarterback really does. They manage the game. 
it's 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 a great thing that I heard a little while back with what Jeremy Pruitt said, and this doesn't need to go unsung, is the fact that Garantano would get up there and he would make calls that he would see and he would set up a run and 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 uh, and get out of these get out of a pass situation and go into a run or he would set up a blocking scheme or however they do and I'm not exactly positive but Garantano is a smart kid. What is your opinion with Garantano that we've seen this year from so many players uh, more than you can ever imagine have regressed? What do you think the issue with Garantano is the fact that he is – he is came in. He came into Knoxville. He's he's went through. I don't know how many offensive coordinators and systems. Where do you think that things went wrong from your perspective? The way you take a look at a kid that that came in with some swagger. Uh, you want confidence, but that's the thing you, you want to be able to mix the confidence uh, with also being humble. And, and he's like that. Where do you think it went wrong with Garantano? It's hard to say, but the first thing I say is just confidence. You know, they, they, they don't, there's not a, there's, there's not a, a subgroup of psychologists called sports psychologists out there because athletes don't get in their own heads and start doubting their abilities or what they're mm-hmm. doing. You know, it's, it's a difficult thing. And, and again, you know, like I just mentioned, when you've got, when you, you know, back when I played, you know, I, I'd get, I'd get hate mail on toilet, written on toilet paper from Florida, or I'd get <laughs> nasty, nasty letters, you know, and, and that's fine. I'd, I'd get, you know, a few a week, whatever, but now you get tens of thousands of people that are, that are, are critical about not, not just you. Like, you know, I, I've even had a, I saw a teammate say, uh, somebody wrote something saying, Garantano's trash. Like the kid's not trash. Okay. He's not playing well, but he's a good kid. And he tries hard. Yeah. So, you know, I've got to check my because I'm passionate about it. I've got to check my language and realize that we're talking about a kid here. So, you know, when when he makes a mistake on a field, we're all hard on ourselves. You know, it happens. I, I hated when I made a mistake. I, you know, but you, you just you got to shake and move on. But as a quarterback, I mean, you you are the 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 focus. You you are the 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 apex of attention on that field. And when you make a mistake, man, it it it's big. It's not yeah, okay, I blew an assignment, but. You know, the ball was away from me, so I, I was a non-factor in the play. He is a factor in every play. So, you know, you struggle a little bit. You make a couple bad calls. You, you know, you, you you check out of a couple things, and you shouldn't have. And, you know, like that Alabama game, you know, when, when we're down on the one and, and he, and he uh, goes freelance on it. You know, that those things will rattle you, man. Yeah. Once it's in your head, it's, it's hard to shake. So I think that's one thing. I think the, cha- the, the, you know, the other part of it is the consistency in coaching and the quality of coaching. You know, I, I don't, I don't know uh, Winky. Never met him. Great quarterback in college, you know, and and obviously he's done some good things coaching football. But sometimes, you know, you don't have a good rapport with your with with your players. You, you're not talking on the same level. Maybe you're talking over their head. Who knows what it could be? There's, you know, in an, in an interpersonal relationship like that, there's so many factors that go into it that that make it really good or, or really bad. I've had good coaches that I didn't like or didn't get along with. Um, who, you know, just affected me negatively. I've also had average coaches who did some really positive things for me. So, you know, it, there's, there's, there's so many dynamics to it that it's, it's really hard to put your thumb, your, your thumb on. But I, I think, I think confidence is the biggest thing. I mean, the kid can throw, he can run, but he didn't run. 
you know, when he could have run. And, and he made bad throws when he should have made, you know, it should have been easy throws. So it, it, it's, it, sports is a tough thing. You know, I mean, you look at a guy like Charles Barkley, you know, watching that joker play golf, you're like, this guy was an athlete. Yeah, <laughs> so, exactly. You know, something gets in your head, it can change everything for you. So it's, it's, it's difficult. And then, you know, you just look at the, the time and development. You know, uh, the, the, the great story is, um, oh, my God. Um, I can't believe the name just left my my, my head. But, um, you know, he's the GOAT. Uh, help me out here, man. Good Lord, the Patriots. Uh, oh, Tom Brady. Thank you, Tom Brady. Well, it's so it's it's like it's like it's like a uh, supermodel standing in front of your car. Uh, you can't believe it's there, but it's there, and her name is Giselle Bunchin. <laughs> exactly. So you look at a guy like Brady who came in drafted, wasn't he like Mister Irrelevant, last in the seventh, and yeah, you know, he turns out to be a guy. It all depends on who develops you and your timing and your confidence. So. You know, there's there's so many factors into it. It's been a it's been a rough road for for Garantano, and you know I've been critical of him, and I and I hold true to that. He wasn't the right kid to play. I don't doubt his toughness and his ability. But and you I, you were questioning his play on the field, not his character as a person. Absolutely, he was not the best quarterback for us. To, he was not the best player. That to give us the best chance to win because it's obvious if he was we probably would have won the games that we should have won um so kid works hard best of luck to him he's transferring or it looks like he's going to transfer yeah he's transferring we're, we're, we're shot. you know uh but for from a program standpoint you know just because you've been there for four years doesn't mean or five years doesn't mean that you you should be the starter you got to perform you got to earn it and, and you earn it by your performance on the field what are your stats so you know, it's it's been a tough road for the kid. I wish him the best. Uh, I'm glad he's not. I'm glad he hasn't been our quarterback. I'm glad that we got a couple of these other guys in there um, getting some getting some uh, live experience on the field and some some good playing time. But you know, it's uh, you know, it, it's a tough position, man. It's not for the for the weak of heart or the weak of will. All right, so let's just get right to it. We lost the game. There were some there were some moments there. The, the key stat there is 10 for 14 for Texas A&M on third downs. Uh, multiple, multiple boneheaded decisions we were making uh, as we continue to make through the year, personal fouls, uh, things like that. And the fact that – and you you and I have talked about this off, off air. As a defensive line coach, it is imperative – and I was a defensive line coach at the high school level, a 1A school in Tennessee. It is imperative that you teach these kids. The, the game has changed now. When you played, what, what what's a personal foul now was a great job, kid. You know, you, yeah. you back in the day, you could do whatever you wanted to a degree. I mean, there wasn't – you. how many times do you remember hands to the face – from from somebody from Alabama or Florida or what have you, or you're putting hands in his face to get leverage, and th- nothing was called because it was just it was just it was par for the course. Yeah, if your hands were inside and you, you were not you you didn't have your hand on his cage, but maybe you got into his jar or his throat. Those things happened back eh, and forth. You know, it, it, was, know. it was it was it was a you know like just the old saying goes, it was a fist fight in a phone booth, and you know it kind of happened in your spot as long as it didn't happen out. In space you didn't get called for it so 
No, these guys are playing under a greater uh, attention to detail um, and, and a higher level of uh, restrictions on, on what they can do. And it's, it's tough, you know, like, like, like we talked about, you know, DeAndre Johnson, you know, it sucks. It sucks for the kid, you know, we're, we're what, third and 14, whatever it was, and, and we're looking at getting off the field. If we were, if we weren't, you know, obviously at, at 10 and 14, the third down efficiency was, was pretty, pretty spot on, but you know the guy's out there. He's he's pushing. He's he's trying to make a play. He reaches his hand out there. You know you'd have to look, go back and look at the film. Did he have eyes on the quarterback? You know, well, did he see what he was reaching for? All all you know is that he was laying it out there, uh, grabbing, uh, trying to make a play, trying to get his hand on the ball wherever it was, and unfortunately ended up on the cage of the quarterback. And then did he drag him to the ground? Did he twist his head? No, you know. But it's a different game now. That's different the nature of, of officiating. They're going to call that because, well, you know, you, you blew too hard in his ear and you blew a kiss and that's a foul, you know, whatever. It's, 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 gotten, it's gotten too soft. And, you know, not to say that you can grab a guy's face mask, but that was inadvertent. He was reaching for yeah. the ball. He wasn't trying yeah. to take his head off. So, you know, I, I can personally forgive that. It's a, you know, it sucks, but it, it happens. You know, jumping off sides, that's another, that's a whole other animal. You got to watch the ball, man. You got to watch the ball. You got to understand, I mean, just as you know, you have to understand the importance of the situation, situational awareness. And when I was in the military and played football, both, they go hand in hand. Situational awareness, knowing what the situation is and in football understanding it's third down and long and you you cannot you cannot do that you have to be smarter than that yeah it's it's not fourth and one where you've got to be trigger quick you know yeah. this is okay uh you bring pressure you're coming off the edge if you're not bringing pressure you're just playing your fit okay you you can you can be a half a beat off on that you can't you cannot jump off sides on on third on third and short it's just you just can't you, you got to hold your water you got to be smart about it so those are the things that make you more frustrated as a coach you know uh, it's you know it's it's part of the game unfortunately you, you get geared up you get geeked up and and you want to fly and you want to make a play but that's that is that's a that's a fixable uh, penalty that shouldn't happen you know lack of effort reaching reaching your hand into a pile trying to make something happen I, i'll forgive that you know nine out of ten times let me ask you we talked about this off air you watch the game as well as i did i've never seen in my life a wide receiver or a running back that wasn't in the movie uh unnecessary roughness which if you haven't seen the movie is brilliant uh a, but I'm not going to get into that un- unnecessary roughness where they literally, the entire defense went with the man in motion and they left, they left, it didn't matter if he's X, Y, Z, he was wide open. Uh, he was Y, he was wide open. And he's literally waving. I saw that like two or three times yesterday. One time where I swear it was like the naked gun where he had the, the a light where he was flashing it, that's how open he was. <laughs> He's got a neon light flashing yeah. from the He's like, from hey, man, I'm over here. I'm over here. Yeah. Tell everybody. He, he, yeah, he tell him. had a siren on, like a <laughs> on, like, hey, right here. Tell everybody at home what we talked about. It's called eating the quarterback. Well, eating uh, the running well, back, the quarter, excuse me, the running back. You know, when, 
uh, from Arizona State, I got this uh, under Todd Graham's scheme. You know, it, like if you're going to bring, if you if you're bringing your inside linebackers and, and you're bringing, you know, you're you're bringing more, you're bringing the backs, right? You you're going max pressure. You still have to account for every man on the field. So if you're linebacker, if you're bringing your linebackers, if you're shooting them inside or you're stacking, if you think they're going to run to the field instead of the boundary, and you shift them over a couple gaps. You're bringing one off the uh, off the field field C gap, and you're bringing one off the, the field A gap. You still have to check to the backside. You know, if they got if they got a back in the backfield, somebody has to be accountable for that back if he flies out into the flats. So, so from you know from the scheme that that hold on that, one that, second, Paul. They, let's 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 assume that that we're talking to people that may not understand. Uh, a gap would be between the center and the guard, correct? Yeah, center guard. Okay. If you're looking on the C gap, you're talking tackle out. Okay, right? gotcha. And your flats so are going to be from the extension on the outside of the tight end or the tackle to the sideline. Yeah, exactly. Okay. That's about quarterback depth, but yeah. behind the line of scrimmage. Gotcha, right? gotcha. So you know, when I talk about field, you know, if, if the if the ball's lined up on a on a um, on a hash mark, field obviously mm-hmm. field is to the wide side, boundaries into the sidelines, the yeah. tight side. Yeah, yeah. So. You know, so it all depends on what what all the pre-planning has told you based off of uh, offensive tendencies. So if you're really thinking, well, it's this place, they're going to they're gonna run stretch, they're going to run wide, they're going to do, uh, like, say, a 28-stretch uh, to the field, you're going to stack, you're going to move your linebackers out to, to the field side, you're bringing pressure hard off the bat to try and try and box them in. Well, that, that would work great. Unless the the uh, quarterback, you know, in this case Mont, who's a very good quarterback, yeah. sees that the linebackers are moving. There's 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 not enough guys in the middle of the box. Well, you know, if he sees the linebackers flowing or stepping out to the field, you know, he's gonna, you know, he can he can send his running back out to the boundary flats, and there's no linebacker to pick him up. So w- when you go max pressure, you've also got to go match coverage, which means every man, every man's accounted for. Everybody that can. Uh, Except the football, receiving yeah. football yeah. is accounted for by some. You don't do what the Jets did, Paul. You don't. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you... <laughs> you know, so you got to cover for that. But yeah. how many times do we have this where there were the linebackers were yeah. pressure, yeah. and all of a sudden the the, the running backs are running a fly route right onto the flat? Yeah, and, and you know at least the the defensive the defensive end, you know, from a scheme standpoint, you should we called it eat the back, which. Yeah. You know, you're running your contain your contain uh, your contain lane, but if you see that back lead, you've got to match him to at least make the quarterback think about you know do I am I going to run in that lane because you cannot give him an empty throw or an easy throw out to that back in the flat because that was a major problem for us and they really picked up on that. I like that we were pressuring more last night, but we just seemed to break down on our coverage, especially to the to the uh, the fly route out into the flats. Let so, me let me ask you this, and we'll get. We'll move on to what's really going on right now. Do you do you feel like, and we, we had a conversation about this too offline, um, off air. Do you feel like the, this defense, and you said you sat in in one of the, uh, I think that's okay for me to say that. It's not like we're giving away some secret here, but uh, you sat in. You sat in one of the meetings with uh, Jeremy Pruitt as he was running the defense. That was the first year he was here. Yeah, yeah. Okay, it was, uh, his first year, and uh, I, I went. Uh, you know, and, and we were invited to come out and, and, 
and be part of the be part of the team, sit in some meetings and listen. And you know, so, uh, me and a, a former teammate of ours, we went uh, we went to a practice, watched practice. Uh, we sat into uh, into a meeting, and you know, Pruitt was uh, addressing the entire the entire um, defense. And I mean, he's 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 an energetic guy. I mean, he he knows what he's talking about. You know. Uh, so, but that first year, I'm like, wow. I, you know, I look to, I look to, uh, to my buddy uh, who played in the NFL for about seven years. I'm like, have you heard any kind of scheme like this? He goes, he's laughing like, man, I don't even know what they're talking about. So <laughs> the complexity yeah. of the scheme was, yeah. was, I mean, it was, it was in depth. It was, it was technical. It was, it was big. And you know, so that first year, my my thought was this. You know, my first thought is this is going to take a while. This is going to this, this there's there's a learning curve here. Um, so I, I assume that the first year was going to be di- difficult. You know, as everybody should. You know, it's a new it's a new program. Depending on the complexity and the age of the players, you know, there there's going to be a, a learning curve. Uh, so I assume that in the first year, second year, things started looking a little better. You know, we won eight games. You know, but yeah, some of those games were you know uh, they they were. The games that we should have won. We didn't beat one team that was in the top twenty-five. Well, exactly. We, you know, we're we're winless against Florida, Georgia, and Alabama, which is you know, is, by Pruitt's own words, those are the standards that you're that you're going to be. And if that's upon. the standards, then you have not met those. Let me ask you this, Paul: When you listen to a coach, and and I talk to people that that knew new people that had been around, I don't want to say talk to people that knew people. I talked to people that were in the program, around the program, that that dealt with Butch Jones, and he admitted to somebody a way that he had no idea. <laughs> Listen, man, I grew up in East Tennessee. I can tell you right now, back in the day, in the ni- 80s and the 90s and on and on, that there is no off day in East Tennessee for football. Even when the basketball team is doing well, like, I mean, they're amazing right now, top 10, nobody's talking about it. Everybody's talking about football. Tennessee football is 366 days a year. It is, it is, and and we probably lost, I'd say, I'd say we probably lost, two to three percent of our fan base and we're still one of the largest fan bases in America. Uh, but you know, I think that he got there like Butch Jones got there and, and came from Cincinnati and he, he told somebody privately, he was like, I had no idea. You know, yeah, bro, you I said bro. Yeah, yeah, bro. Uh listen to me here. Really professional. Uh, you come from the Cincinnati Bearcats that probably have maybe like maybe one, maybe two beat writers. We'll say one. And you come to Tennessee, and it is just the home of Reggie White, Peyton Manning, uh, Paul Yetkowski. I'm, I had to do it. Um, but, uh, you know, I mean, you you like that one. I appreciate it throwing into that. Into you, that you like that one. You like that one. <laughs> But, uh, <laughs> yeah, man, tell your girlfriend that one. Man, he put me up there with Reggie White. Um, all right, but uh, the thing is, you come to Knoxville, and it is, I mean, we are the main rival, even though we've been down. Man, I live here on the border of Alabama. 
you would not believe. They don't look at Georgia people weird. They don't really look at Auburn people strange. Tennessee people come in with that orange tee into Alabama, and they still hate Alabama. Excuse me, Tennessee. They still they have a saying in Alabama, uh, I was born to hate Auburn. I choose to hate Tennessee. Even the years that we have been down, there is still that hatred for Tennessee. And these are young people, too. This isn't just the old folks. The young people. Born and bred, baby. But, um, and by the way, if you haven't seen the picture of Paul over Jay Barker, I put that on Vol for Life. Uh, the, the one... Uh, thing I did, I've done a couple. I did one for Reggie White. I did a little little uh, thing, you know, uh, and then I did another thing for uh, Jerry Gantano. Thank you for what he's done. It got a lot of interest and thousands of people interested in it. I put that picture of you with Jay Barker, and I could not believe that it didn't get more interest. It's just amazing what interests people and does because to me, that's the coolest picture I've ever seen in my life. I appreciate that. It was a great shot. Bill Shipley took that uh, from the Chattanooga papers. And, yeah. I mean, it's a great shot. You know, uh, you, you never know what uh, moves somebody. You know, I mean, obviously, Reggie White's Reggie White, you know. So, yeah. Um, everybody loves I mean, that guy, he, he, he's up there in the GOATS, uh, uh, goats category. Oh, so, yes. NFL know, and college. Exactly. Exactly. You know, I, I think it was a great picture. It was, uh, it was a heck of a game. You know, maybe maybe if we want it, people would like it more. I don't know. You know, defense oh, is fantastic. Them, let them drive and, and tie it up. But, um, you know, it doesn't take long to hate Alabama. You know, I'm no. two years into it. I'm two, it's two years on the field. And, man, I, I learned to hate Alabama. I, I, I still think I hate Florida more. Just I, because it's close. They were divisional and they took us out of the SEC. Uh, you know, they, they beat us out to play for the championship. Yeah. Uh, those years. But, um, you know, yeah, Bama. Yeah. Mm. Uh, mm, okay. So I, I got a little, you know, just talking about the history of, you know, Tennessee and the difference, but let's, okay, let's move on here. Let's talk, let's talk about, I can't even believe we're talking about this year three now. And we're right into, well, the other day, Harrison Bailey throws a strike and it was a great pass. I don't know if yeah. it was just a good pass. Maybe not even a strike, just a great pass. To our tight end, Warren, I didn't even know he was on the team, catches a touchdown. It seems as simultaneously, as soon as that happened, the news broke that Tennessee was doing an inside investigation on impermissible benefits and it made sense now why Eric Gray and Brian Maurer were not playing. We're now looking at Tennessee coming off a 3-7 and seven season. A lot of people have said this, um, this and that, that if you throw out the SEC games, you throw in three teams. Now, remind, mind you, though, we, we were scheduled to play at Oklahoma, uh, and and if this Corona thing didn't happen, Oklahoma would not have had the season they had. They still won the Big Twelve. Yeah, um, but um, just just a season uh, to forget. Some people would say, "Well, it'd been a six and six season." 
I mean, you know, but, but still, is that is, is that the standard? Yeah, that exactly. We're, okay, well, is six and two? Oh, we're five hundred. Hey. Oh yeah, hey, year three. You know, no. it's year three. Unacceptable. This isn't. You know, these, these are his players. We were supposed to have. I mean, and I think we do. We have a good off, good to great offensive line. You know, we had two. You know, we we have two experienced running backs. Obviously, you know, again, we, we're lacking at the quarterback position. I think that was a coaching issue. You know, I, I don't get paid four million dollars to make those calls, but you know, I also won't be fired for uh, for um, not making those calls. By the so, way, are you putting your hat in the ring for the next head coaching position at Tennessee? <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, I, I, I can go. I can go three and seven. <laughs> hey, you may even go four and six. Yeah, maybe, maybe. You know, I yeah, I, I'll, I'll I'll give them my shot. I'll bring in the right guys. I'll let them do their thing. Make sure that they're, you know, everybody's handling things. I'll make the calls from the top, and you know what? I'll take it for, I'll take it for a million dollars. I'm, I'm good. I'm a bargain. What but is? I'm pretty sure I could go three and seven, four and six. What is the? So, I'm, I'm just gonna throw it at you. I'm, I'm gonna give you this. I'm not. I'm, I'm gonna throw you a fastball, mm-hmm. and I'm gonna say, if you, if somebody told you, twenty years ago, two thousand twenty. December 20th, 2020, excuse me, 2000, that Tennessee would be in the position that they're in right now, lose to Vanderbilt more than seven times in the last, I don't know, six, seven times. I, I don't, I, I won't even count it. I will not be a statistician on that. I can't even, my brain will not let me add up how many times we've lost to Vanderbilt. No, you just won't forget those. Oh, my God. Uh, and at that time, you have to remember Tennessee hadn't lost to Vanderbilt until from '82 to what 2005. So, if somebody would have told you that Tennessee would have had multiple seven, eight loss seasons, well, one eight loss season, and if things don't get better and we play in this bowl game. We'll talk more about that before we get out of here. But what would you have told them if if somebody told you that Tennessee would be competing with Kentucky and South Carolina and Vanderbilt for the middle to the bottom of the SEC East? Man, there's no way on God's green earth I would have I would have given that any kind of credit. It, It when 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 it's a race, when we're in a in a three man race to the bottom of the SEC, not not just the East, but the SEC, uh, you know, it's it's just staggering and disappointing. I I, I never would have thought we we we'd be in this situation. I mean, we we've got the we got the crowd base. We have we have the facilities. We are in the right conference. You know, we. Uh, you know it it. it you just get gobsmacked thinking about this. Like, how did this happen? You know, and then turning uh, coaching turnover. I mean, obviously that has something into it. it plays something into it. But you know, how, how do how do we not bring in some of the best players? Well, you know, obviously winning record and development. How many players were we putting into the NFL? Well, not a lot over the last several years. So that's a development issue. You broke a you streak know? from 1966 to I believe yeah. it was 2012 or 2013. Of every year having a player from the University of Tennessee drafted. Yeah, we, well, we become our we, unfortunately we become our own worst enemy in in what we're doing. You know, mm-hmm. 
Take you know? Derek Dooley right now over Jeremy Pruitt, and I was completely in the Jeremy Pruitt camp. But I, I've seen offensive firepower from uh, a Cheney led. Uh, I believe Cheney was um, was here during Derek Dooley's tenure. Yeah, he was because he beca- he was the uh, he was the uh, interim head coach uh, when we beat Kentucky. So yeah. I would take the firepower that Derek Dooley had over what we have right now. It's just, it's just complete. There is no momentum. I see different players. You know, Paul, I I look at the little things. I look at players congratulating other players on plays, uh, being, being friends, being a family on the field. I see individuals on that field. I don't see any communication. I don't see anybody talking to each other. I've seen Henry Toa Toa uh, disappear like I don't know what. I don't even have an analogy for that. He has disappeared like Jack from uh, <laughs> from uh, Titanic. And, I mean, he just he – just, that. thank you. You like that one. He He's just – I mean, he went from a future Butkus Award winner to I've seen him, I don't know how many times, burnt on coverages. I've never seen our linebackers this bad. The, this is the worst group of line, And I mean that, again, this is their talent on the field, not the, the character of the person. This is the worst linebacking core I have ever seen at the University of Tennessee? Well, you know, look, you know, I, I don't, well, uh, Brian, is it? Uh, Niedermeyer. Niedermeyer. And so, you might want to forget, you might forget his name pretty soon. Yeah, from what I've read, what I've heard. Um, but, you know, he, he came here as a tight end coach. Now, and then <laughs> he's a linebacker's uh, coach. He's a linebacker coach, you know. I mean, now here's the thing. Obviously, him and Pruitt are buddies, which is cool. They yeah. sure they spent a lot of time great. talking about the scheme. Great being friends. You, know, yeah. you don't have to be – I don't think you have to be uh, – You. I don't think you have to have played the position to be a good uh, a good coach no. at that position. But, but it helps. And, and obviously, you know, being a, a long-time coach a lot, at that position helps a lot because you, you feel more comfortable in the scheme. Could that be a problem? Maybe it is. You know, I, I don't know if that's the right fit. Uh, but again, I, I'm not. I'm not calling those shots, so I'm not being held accountable for them. And I think the guy that is calling those shots is making the personnel decisions uh, from a coaching standpoint. Uh, he's going to have to face uh, face some music. You know, back in the day, they they talked about Phil Phil Fulmer. Um, you know, being being rolled out of this position because he didn't want to make the changes at the coaching level that he probably needed to. You know, yeah. the, the, the nature of coaching coaching is that you bring in guys that you know and you like and you know you trust. They got your back. They'll work hard for you. If they don't do their job, though, you know you got to make. You know, I, I'm that way. Hey, man, I could love you as a brother, but if you're 
not doing the job that I need you to do, I got to let you go, but I'll still send you a Christmas yeah. card. We'll still hang you out know? at uh, um, TGI Friday. I don't even know if they have a TGI Friday. <laughs> Chili's, man. Chili's. Chili's, my bad. Hey, uh, what was the movie um, a Hall Pass where he goes, yeah. I want to go someplace different. Chili's, and they were like it the same. Yeah, exactly. They were at uh, yeah Applebee's, and he goes Chili's. It's the Chili's same the restaurant TGI with a different. Yeah, exactly. Now, I want to bring something up before we uh, we close it out. Um, yeah, we're going to talk a little bit. Of, I don't. You know what? I don't even want to. We can talk about recruiting, but let's be honest, man. We we picked up one cornerback. We, we needed cornerback help. Um, I, I brought this up. There is so many people looking for a home as far as DBs right now in this transfer rule that's going to allow people to transfer. Uh, we need cornerbacks, 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 and linebackers. But here's the thing. If you bring Pruitt back, you're going to be showing him this system that it takes years to understand. How does a guy come from Wake Forest – in as an outside linebacker and and have to pick up this system. So, but here, well, I, go ahead. I think I think the, the hope from that is that you know you're talking about a kid who's more matured, who's been in a in a complex system, you know. Okay. And so it, it gives you a chance to uh, to um, transition across. You know, you you know what the expectations are. You know, fundamentally what the schemes are. You know, when you're coming from high school all the way into a Division One college like this, that that's a world of difference. That's night and day. But coming from one division, uh, one team into another division, one, you know, the, the calls will be different. The concepts will be similar. So mm. there won't be such a fall off um, in in development between those two. So then, then he's he's, he's going to be more mature, physically developed. He should have a more a better impact. And you might just use him situationally. So you know, he gives you a little flexibility. But uh, I think the players transferring in. Um, who go through the portal can add more value. It's sort of like playing in JUCO. You know, you go to JUCO, you play a couple of years. Well, you have two years of playing experience as compared to the red shirt, uh, the, the kid who came into high school and yeah. has, you know been the spare parts on the um, on the scout team. Yeah, you know, so you, you have that game experience, which I think gives you a, a huge a huge benefit when you're putting that kid on the field. So, you know, we're, we are struggling. We, we need some DBs. You know, I mean, unfortunately, Lane Kiffin's out there at Ole Miss hogging them all. I think he signed, what, five or six or seven he of them. He flipped one of our – at least one of our guys. Uh, I, it was a four – almost a five-star tight end, Hudson Wolf. Yeah. He flipped yeah. him to Ole Miss. So, you know, okay. I'm going to well, – Let me just say, let go me ahead. say this. I, I, I got to throw this out there for – for James Warren, he, he was a teammate of mine, an offensive lineman. He he's a VFL, and his son Jacob uh, caught his first uh, first um, touchdown pass. Yeah, that was Jacob that was Warren. that was the tight end. That's awesome, man. Yeah, that's right. It was it was a big moment. I'm really proud of, uh, really happy for James. Proud of uh, his son. Is that the uh, Alcoa Warrens, uh, Brandon Warren, that came from Alcoa? Are they related? No, uh, no he, um, Jacob came from Farragut. Okay, okay, gotcha. Uh, Brandon Warren was a highly touted tight end that came from Florida State and transferred to Tennessee, and it just nothing nothing came from it. But okay, no, that's beautiful though. Congratulations to Jacob. 
All right. Yeah, they, go ahead. I uh, said, you know, it's just a complaint, man. They, you, you got a talented kid that can catch and run. You know, throw the ball to him. We don't throw the balls to our tight ends. You know, so Wolf, um, Wolf making the jump. If I was looking at film, I'm like, do I want to go to UT and just be a blocker, or do I actually want to yeah. catch the ball? Which is what Kiffin will do. He will spread the field. And You're absolutely the right. We're not doing it. So why would you come here? All right. I want to get. I want to get into. Um, I want to give you a scenario that I came up with, and then we will uh, we'll talk about a possible bowl, and then real quick we'll I, w- I want you to list a few people that you think would be interested in the job that you like. There's a lot to get into there, but real quick, this is what I came up with. T. Martin is is um, redshirted in and th- I. Th- I, I came up with this thing, and now I'm thinking about it. Somebody told me he was red-shirted, and I don't think he was. So that makes me look stupid there. Um, let's just let's just play devil's advocate on it. Okay, T. Martin's red-shirted, and he goes into 2000 as a red-shirt senior. And by the way, if that is true, he was redshirted. Throw all this away. But I'm, I'm a Tennessee fan. I'm trying to, f- trying to figure something out here. Okay, yeah. so he's redshirted. He's a redshirt senior in 2000 instead of just a senior in '99. Mm-hmm. Casey Clawson is redshirted, and he starts as a, as a redshirt freshman. 2001. Okay, you move along. Do you see where I'm going here? How it shows that the decisions that we make by our coaching staffs, by by the by the talent that we have, and the decisions that we make can have lasting effects. I, I see what you're saying. You know, I, you, you got to evaluate your personnel and your needs. You know, yeah. when you talk about redshirting these guys, I mean that that's good and great. They're you know. He was a great quarterback for us. You know, was he redshirted? I'm not 100% sure either. I have to go to Google to figure that one out. But, you know, on the other side of it, Peyton Manning, you know, here's a guy that wasn't redshirted. He was thrown into the mix in the uh, UCLA game. And, you know, look what look what he did, you know, what, what he became. So, you know, you, you we haven't had a special quarterback really since Peyton Manning and T. Martin. You know, Joshua Dobbs was as close to, as close to what we had. And that was a guy who just had had ability, you know. And we can't, no quarterback coach. Can you believe that? No quarterback coach. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, you, you, when you look, you look at you look at what we're doing with the players, we we just don't have these breakout phenomenal players like we did back in the in, in the day. You know, Corey Fleming, uh, Craig Faulkner, Carlos Price, Peyton, or you know, Peyton Manning, or or you know, uh, our, our linebackers, Todd Kelly or Al Wilson. You know. Well, well, just like we haven't we haven't been drafting players into the NFL. We haven't been putting players into the league at the numbers that we used to. So we, you know, the coaches, you know, to some degree, you got to feel not feel bad because it's their job to develop these kids into being better than what they are. But they haven't had the players there, or maybe they have and they haven't developed them. It's a, it's a real tough call. Yeah. Although you know, to some degree, let, let me just say this though. Um, you know, a buddy of mine, um, uh, 
Ryan Silverfield is over at Memphis. Uh, he was working there with Norvell. For some reason, Memphis seemed to take all of the quarterbacks that left here. You know, they went yeah. there and did really, really good things. Uh, Ferguson, why, why was it Ferguson? Yeah, uh-huh. Yep, he did great things yeah. under Norvell. Then we had another one go, in the, go over there, you know. and you know, So sometimes it, it maybe it's the fit with the coaches. Maybe it's just the coaches' inability to develop those players. I, I don't know if I would look back and say, man, we have had some great coaches on our staff over the years, and maybe that's a problem. And he did redshirt, so that made me look better. <laughs> I, All right. Yeah, I was like, wait a second, because so much stuff in my brain about football – as one of my drill sergeants told me, he said, Jones, if you knew as much about that, uh, well, we're, this is a family show. As you know as much about the, the if you knew as much about the military as you do about the football, you'd be a four-star general, but you don't. So do push-ups till I'm tired. And uh, he never, never seemed to get tired. It's funny how that works. Yeah, funny how that works. All right. Uh, let's talk real quick. There's a potential right now for West Virginia and Tennessee to play in the Liberty Bowl. West Virginia went 5-4 and four this year, 4-4 four and four in conference. What's your feelings on that? I'm pretty much – I pretty much have an idea that what your feelings are on that. Yeah. Uh, you know, Patrick Brown, uh, about an hour ago, um, with Go Vols uh, 24-7, just announced that Tennessee is going to play West Virginia. So it looks like that's a done deal. Um, you know, I, they're a, what do we say they were? They're five and four teams, so they they've struggled as well. You know, I, I, I sixty forty fifty fifty chance of us winning. I, you know, it, I think if our quarterbacks play well, it, you know, it, it's going to be interesting to see. Are we going to have our coaches back? Is our head coach going to be able to be a head coach? And a D-line coach, is it going to have to be a head coach, D-line coach, defensive coordinator? You know, because um, I, I think that's, that factors into a game. That, that's a lot to juggle for one guy. Are we going to have uh, Gray back? You know, uh, so it, we're going to see what this, what this investigation shakes out to look like. You know, right now it's internal. From what I understand, the NCAA hasn't gotten involved. But if they, uh, if they really do start sticking their nose into it, which I'm sure they will now that it's gone as public as it has, I think they have an obligation to do it to cover their butts. Um, if it's bad, it's going to get worse. Don't and, expect to see gray, in my opinion, if this is just because an investigation takes a long time and mm-hmm. it, it's it's internal. So I would assume that we won't see gray. Maybe you might not see him again suit up for Tennessee. Gray, gray Mauer, um, you know, the, they said the coaches, um, uh, the two coaches were out for uh, COVID. So, you know, I mean, COVID is a convenient excuse for a lot of things right now, I think. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see how that shakes out. But, you know, if if there was some improper um, benefits handed out, that, yeah, there, we're not going to play a kid that's involved in that until it's all been squared away because yeah. we, if we win, we don't need this, uh, you know, we don't need to, um, um, to default on the game and turn it into a loss because we had an ineligible player. Real quick, give me um... – by the way, fantastic job as always. It's uh, so glad to have you back with what we're doing now. Now we're extended onto the radio. I got to tell you, what you know, my brain can't even believe we're talking about this. Another coaching search. 
what give me i'm gonna give you a name and you tell me what you think and and uh you give me a name and i'll tell you what i think i'm gonna say gus malzahn yeah i i why not i mean uh we'll, we'll take it we'll, we'll take a we'll take a 10 and 2 season you know i mean if we can compete we, we don't have to play against alabama to go to the fcc championship can can malzahn beat florida and georgia yeah can he beat Alabama? Yep. Yep. So uh, you know, hey, if there's any if there's any skin in, uh, skin uh, or truth to this um, to this uh, you know recruiting issue, you know, like you know, like some people have been talking about on the on the wires here, you know that that could be a cause for fault um, in firing Pruitt, which means you know we don't have to cover the twelve point yeah was it twelve point eight million dollar buyout, you know. Could Malzahn be a viable option? I think so. I do. I think I think he'd put some fun back into Tennessee football. That's for sure. Yeah. And at least we know the guy can can be a head coach and he can win, which unfortunately we just haven't in, in the SEC, which we have not yeah. seen from any of these other coaches. Yeah. So I'm interested. I'm I'd be interested to see how this all plays out for Malzahn. I think this would be a nice fit for him because he stays where he wants to be in the SEC. But he doesn't have to play against Alabama for a championship. He can get his. He can get the team there. Yeah, it's true. Give me, uh, give me a name. Uh, Hugh Freeze is a name that's been pushed around out there. So that that'd be an interesting thing for. The, okay. Uh, well, before the uh, <laughs> before the Jacob Warren touchdown, it would have, and it seemed to be like right when that happened, it, it broke. Uh, the, you can't. You, well, you can do anything. It's 2020, but I don't know. You know, now that I'm thinking about it, why not bring Hugh Freeze in? Bring a guy in that obviously, I mean, he's won a bowl game at Liberty. Uh, he knows what he's doing. He knows how to win. This is this is his Lane Kiffin dream job. Now, are you are you talking about you know his past sins being an issue? Yeah. Oh come on, man! We got we got a president, we got a vice a vice president elect that's you know publicly admitted to smoking pot and all this, and I got we got the, you know, the FBI spying. I mean, anything goes these days. This twenty twenty, it's anything man. goes. All past sins are forgiven, my son. <laughs> <laughs> okay then. All right. So, yeah. Yeah. I don't. I don't see that. I don't see that being a problem. You know, this is this is this, this is a multi billion dollar business. What yeah. comes down to it, you know, get, given enough tough enough time for for the dust to settle and and you know, since be forgiven or forgotten at least. Yeah. Um, you know, if you can win, they're gonna bring you. That's that's what I believe. And make sure if any uh, prostitutes in the Knoxville area uh, is not, they're not allowed around campus. That's for sure. Or Gibbs it's, Hall. It's that's called, for sure. It's called stimulating the local economy. Come on, that. Come on, man. Come on, man. Come on, man. <laughs> All right, with that being said, thanks, bro, for being on here, bro. Thanks, bro. Thanks, bro. I spent too much time on the West Coast. Thanks, bro. You got a potato burrito? <laughs> uh, thanks, good, brother. Always fun. Always fun. Thanks for being on here and really excited to see where we're going to take, uh, take things. And... Um, yeah, we'll see what's gonna happen. We will uh we'll get back with you uh next week and we'll see where this 
where the saga continues. But, um, yeah, hold on the line. This is Sports Time with Moonshine, special guest, part of the show, Paul Yetkowski, VFL, um, just uh, a great all-around uh, guy, a father, and uh, doing some great things in his life, and congratulations to uh, everything that you and your uh, your 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 girlfriend, um, I'm trying to make sure I say this the right way, but... Uh, you have a very special uh, family, and you have uh, you have a wonderful girlfriend. That uh, I'm just really happy you guys are getting to do all the things, and um, congratulations on uh, on having just a, a great life right now, coach at Web Web School in Knoxville, and um, doing some great things, man. I appreciate that. Gonna enjoy uh, enjoy Christmas Eve with my boys Tate and Tyler, and then uh, I'm gonna go spend uh, Christmas with uh, Caroline and and uh, enjoy some time out with her. So it's going to be a nice little break over the holidays, and then you just get back after it. And, you know, hopefully we'll watch some good football and get a win on uh, on, uh, on our side of the side of the <laughs> Yeah, there you we, go. Let's, let's, just, let's just close yeah. out this year yeah. with a win. Yeah, exactly. A big, a big W. Um, and yeah. by the way, if you ever want to get on her good side, what you need to do about 5.30 in the morning, get your uh, – get your – Get your speakers ready to go, and just play um, "Sweet Caroline" and um, I'm telling you, man, she will just be yours. She'll be, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She'll <laughs> she, maybe maybe five thirty in the evening after a glass of wine. Five thirty yeah, in the morning, yeah. it's not gonna happen. <laughs> Sweet Caroline, Bapada. Smarter man than that. Paul! All right, buddy. We're going to let you go. Hang on the line. Um, Thanks, guys, for joining us. Remember, every day being an American is a privilege, and it's an honor to call all the proud Americans out there Americans. We'll see you guys next time. Thank you, veteran, and uh, Merry Christmas to everybody, and happy holidays, too. Have a good one. I'm Sports Time with Moonshine. I'm starting trying to get used to all this stuff from you know moonshine jones podcast sports time with moonshine we'll see you guys next time and um go vols